Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 260 for September 17th, 2023. Tonight we're going to be discussing, maybe briefly, the future of electric motorcycles, Star Wars pivoting on George Lucas, wait, businesses lied to us? This is my shock face. Coming together when needed, least expensive states, fundamental flaws in contracts, when do we get tired of brazen shoplifting, going against the grain, this music is electric, and still exporting you can't stop business. That and a whole lot of snark next on Hometown Daily. Alrighty. Uh, just a warning. I, I probably shouldn't say this in, at the beginning of a show, but I've got a massive headache. It came on right when the show started. Uh, I don't know what's going on. So, um, let, let's see, let's see if I can make something of this without it coming across in the, in the stream, um, beyond me telling you, but that's how the sausage is made. Um, yesterday's episode didn't make it up yet onto YouTube. It's here in the VOD, but, um, uh, and it's not on the, on the, um, podcast either because I did an update and the update failed today is, um, yeah. All right. And the first thing in the morning is it rained. So yeah, I guess that's how the day starts. Let's get going. Very first article. So, um, Eric Buell on the future of electric motorcycles. Uh, if you've never uh, seen a, a Buell motorcycle, they're pretty cool looking. Um, and, uh, I don't know that much about them, but <laughs> well, Buell does. Uh, the future of mopeds and motorcycles is electric. Eric Buell says he says sees mopeds and motorcycles playing a greater role in transportation. Yeah. As long as people don't get run over, um, Buell motorcycles, uh, if I recall correctly, made a really unique use of the frame of their motorcycles by putting the fuel tank inside the the frame of the motorcycle itself and not a separate fuel tank. Again, if I recall correctly, it's been a long time since I've touched a motorcycle. Um, but I wanted to talk about this because I think electric motorcycles are pretty damn cool. Uh, the articles over at TechCrunch.com. Let me throw the article into the chat so you can follow the link via the VOD and or the show notes however you want to, but so, um, says the USA might be the land of the automobile with its grid oriented cities, wide roads and interstates rolling off into the horizon. But the cities that were not built for cars have narrow winding and possibly cobbled streets without many parking spots says options in the article. And you'll find that mopeds and small engined bikes of various stripes are far more common sight in these cities than cars. Now, what's interesting is the United States has been, I, I don't know, um, kind of arguing with itself about small cities, small towns, designed, planned communities where they want a central area that has the tiny 
country house kind of community you know this like a not, market square kind of thing yeah a, a market square where people are living above their house the, their actual storefronts and and you see this across a lot of large cities suburbs you know not in the uh metropolitan area so much it's just an impossibility you don't get population density there but um when you start heading out and it's right in between uh, urban and suburban and rural right in there there's this mix and sometimes you find these planned communities where the roads are designed to facilitate slow driving and you can go for walks around the neighborhood and all of that kind of stuff and that's where i see you know mopeds and and motorcycles that aren't harleys although there is an electric harley out there now when you talk to people about this kind of stuff they say well the reason why motorcycles are loud is so that it lets people know where they are on the road but by the time anybody hears a fast motorcycle which is yeah a large number of motorcycle riders drive fast uh split lanes etc by the time you even know that they're in existence they've already either gone gone past you or you've done something stupid and clipped them into a bush um it's uh, a stupid mistake is why i uh don't ride a motorcycle but you know not everybody uh is easily moved away from riding a motorcycle so it being electric means that it's going to be silent unless there's something augmenting it, which I don't think a lot of motorcycle riders are interested in having a quiet motorcycle. Um, if, well, and for safety, they're not going to want to have a quiet one either. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, just like you said, you know, if that whole adage is correct, um, I never saw motorcycles as needing to be loud uh, when I rode, but hey, um, it is what it is. Some people buy into that ideology. Um, and I'm sure they're right for their particular use case. So the author of this article, uh, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce their first name. Hage, uh, Jan Camps or Jan Camps. I don't know if I want to Americanize it any more than that. Um, just call them JLo. No, I, I have no idea what they're, how to pronounce their name. Anyway. They said that they spoke to motorcycle legend Eric Buell to get his vision on what the future holds. A motorcycle racing champion engineer, founder of Buell Motor Motorcycle Company, Buell helps the fuel company dream up what's next, including the recently launched $10,700 fuel flow. Come on. Really? Did you really have to spell it like that? Did you really have to push it that way? All right. Well, whatever. So the article is actually kind of split because it's part of uh, TechCrunch and right here is where it ends. But anyway, it says a bunch of mayors of cities from uh, all across Europe are standing up and saying they're going to ban internal combustion for their cities, Beale says, highlighting what is driving the change. It's not going to happen next year, but it's going to happen soon. And in Paris home of at least a million mopeds and motorcycles, daily parking charges are now being imposed on two-wheeled vehicles with engines, but not electric ones. So when it comes to electrifying motorcycles, lightweight, light, middleweight, or moped-sized uh, vehicles 
are the obvious starting point for Buell. So you know what I can't quite figure out is how they're going to do action scenes in movies. There's always a motorcycle chasing or being chased. If it doesn't have any sound, it's going to be kind of weird. Interesting. <laughs> that's that's an interesting take. What what are they? I, well, I guess they can just put some sound in it. That's what they'll what they've done in the past. Give something a, a like when they Warm. have cars racing around. You know, they when they hear the car accelerating, it isn't the naked sound from the street. It's augmented. Um, but the the idea of a silent motorcycle. I'm more interested in the long distance of it and the relative safety of it and um, the the weight of it. But we know that vehicles that are electric are dramatically heavier than their ice uh, compatriots. So um, I think that the very nature of uh, motorcycles, you know, motorcycles are only two wheels. Then you get these quasi motorcycle vehicles you just refer to them as vehicles like the slingshot or trikes a slingshot is two wheels in the front a, tw- a trike is two wheels in the back i love the the stability of a trike strike that i love the stability of a slingshot not too hip to trikes um but a four-wheel motorcycle where it's narrow and has four independent uh, suspension uh, wheels um, I think would be tremendous um, at least again for me it basically amounts to a narrow body car <laughs> um, but it being electric it's still going to be heavy it's still going to need battery charging if not fast swapping um, and at this point in the game it's still only one wheel out of the two um so i i don't know i think um if anybody's going to make it happen at ten thousand dollars somebody who's spun up a a a, at least again in the conversations that i've had in the past about buell's bikes um they've been well received not necessarily the most popular but um certainly people do appreciate them when they do buy them um, seems like it might be a win, so we'll see. I'll keep on watching. Uh, at $11,000, it seems like it's a pretty good deal for something that can perhaps run for an extended period of time is and is <clears throat> name brand high quality um, and not something that you're going to just um, regret immediately after buying it off Amazon. Pardon well, me and then I start wondering about the resale because we've talked about that with cars like how much of that price is the battery? Yeah, exactly. And you'll go through it. I think you'll go through it faster on a motorcycle. It's smaller, so you'll have to recharge it more. Um, although it, it's almost entirely built around how much you abuse the the power. So if you're sitting there racing this thing, like it's, you know, uh, imperative that you drain its battery in one direction. Um, then you're going to have to replace it sooner because you're wear and tear. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I don't like the idea of batteries ending up being, you know, 50% of the price of the vehicle, and then you have to replace it in five years. 
I don't know how long people typically keep their vehicles anymore, but if the price of vehicles means anything, it's once a lifetime for crying out loud, because some of the cars that I thought used to be really inexpensive for what they were are now $65,000 cars. So like Ford 150 seems to have gotten more expensive, but maybe it's just in my head. I'd have to look again. It's been a while since I paid attention to car prices. So I think the AI is doing some noodling around with that. Is your well and i'm finding more what how long you should keep it not how long you do keep it because those are not going to be the same uh apparently 8.4 years for a car now that's just a regular car not necessarily an ev yeah i wonder has that increased since um initially have people always been keeping them eight years well remember that's every driver right so I suspect there's greater longevity with older drivers, for instance, maybe. I don't know that, but it actually in 2019, it looks like it's actually gone down because apparently then it was 11.4 years, which that doesn't make sense. Uh, it does if the, the oh. idea was to... That was the age of the vehicle, not necessarily how long one driver kept it. So it could have been passed to other drivers. Gotcha. I mean, if there was an, if the ideology was to maximize your resale value, then you would sell it sooner, you know, before the warranty expires and stuff right. like that. Um, that way the person that gets it has some bite at the apple of recovering from some mechanical failure at the end of its warranty life. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on this. Um, I'd love to see what Buell comes up with. It'll be innovative. I've always liked the design of their frames as compared to others, which are just these standard tubes. They typically had these thick, um, wide frames, um, for all of their parts, you know, like it wasn't just a tube. I don't know. I liked the Buell designs. Okay. Let's keep on going though. <clears throat> So the next article is over in the continuity report. Star Wars completely turns Google, uh, Google star Wars completely turns George Lucas's original vision on its head. Uh, apparently this uh, article has spoilers. So turn it off for the next five minutes or so. If you're not interested in this, I should come up with a spoiler tag and just alert. Huh? Uh, spoiler. Can't do it now. Spoiler. Yeah. Um, anyway, the article contains spoilers for Ahsoka episode five. Ahsoka demonstrates Dave Filoni's admiration and respect for George Lucas's vision of Star Wars, but the show is also willing to turn that vision on its head. Striking a balance between old ideas and fresh ones is something that um, all long-running franchises suffer from, especially Star Wars in recent years. Many of the Disney era movies and uh, TV shows have been criticized for rehashing worn out ideas while projects like Star Wars The Last Jedi faced backlash for trying to do the opposite. Both instances demonstrate Star Wars' struggle to move on. I think what they're going to end up talking about in this is the whole magic aspect, the whole woo-woo. Um, but I haven't read this article, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Nathaniel Rourke over at Screen Rant put the article together. 
Um, the deck statement says what I said earlier. Many Star Wars projects uh, stick close to George Lucas's vision while others try to move past it, but Ahsoka has turned Lucas's concept on its head. So let's see if it says anything um, quickly that we can... Star Wars Galaxy is no longer the one that's far, far away. Ezra and Thrawn is um, interesting. So the Star Wars movies and TV shows have always been set in a long time ago, long, far away galaxy. Uh, but Ahsoka, this phrase applies to the distant galaxy where Ezra Bridger and Grad Grand Admiral Thrawn are trapped. Jason Dulla um, even talks about Ezra being taken far, far away, confirming that this phrase now applies to the other galaxy, at least from the character's perspective. Um, I'm I'm not sure if that's what they're actually talking about in this. It says many of the Disney they're era saying it's the first time that's happened that they've actually mentioned it. Like that they've shifted the perspective and like the protagonists are not far far away. Like the whole story is supposed to be far far away. Right. Well, I mean, for us, it's still far, far away. And the telling of the story is it's still far, far away a long time ago. And I guess they're just kind of making it meta now by pushing it down to the character level. Filoni was mentored by Lucas during the uh, their time working on Star Wars, uh, the Clone War. So his projects have always respected the most important rules and themes laid out by Star Wars creator, by the Star Wars creator. That's weird. Star Wars is, is that the Star Wars is creator? I don't like that. <laughs> by the <laughs> Star Wars creator. Stick to it. They could have just had laid out by Lucas. Yeah. Um, at the same time, Lucas always liked to experiment and try new ideas and Filoni's crew use the realm of animated television to do so. I think that they've done a tremendous job in the Clone Wars and other animated series works. What I don't like um, is from the movies themselves where they made, um, they tried to enumerate what midichlorians were and that you could have more of them. You could actually, it became a metric of how powerful you were. I've never seen that many uh, midichlorian, I, I've never seen that high of a midichlorian count in a sample before that kind of thing um when that makes it so so mundane like all you have to do is scour the universe and you'll find people with various levels of midichlorians and midichlorians are the things that allow us to tap into the force um it, it's so gatekeeping it, it kind of irritated me um and in this one it's the first time outside of the animated series where you see kind of woo woo stuff where um, you, you get the equivalent of a wizard casting a spell on a ball that tells where uh, basically a GPS coordinates in interstellar space. Um, I thought that it was a little meh. It, it dragged Star Wars into a realm where there is magic and this series like the mandalorian pulled it a lot further away from it um mainly because they've been doing away with the either 
they never really embraced any of the magic in the series, um, in the movies, right? Um, it became gatekeeping with measuring midichlorians. Um, there are people that are capable of imbuing themselves with like electricity and stuff like that because they're capable of wielding the force, the dark side of the force. That's about as woo woo as you got, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. It was force lifting a ball and activating it to, so I'll have to keep on cogitating this and, and form a, a real opinion about it because I didn't, I, I don't know. I just didn't like, you know, force wizards. <laughs> it's okay. Well, that's a new, that'll be a spinoff. <laughs> Force Wizards. That's right. Another animated series, Star Wars Force Wizards. All right. Well, anyway, um, it. I don't think this really changed anything, did it, for you? I think there was more. Oh, yeah, it says how uh, Ahsoka's okay. new galaxy uh, changes. Uh, the it's um, more on the same topic, though. Yeah. Um, so it, I didn't it says, even pick up on that when watching the episode. What's that? That it got pushed? Yeah. Yeah. It continues to be such a radical shift. Even if we knew there had been intergalactic species before opening Star Wars up to exploring new galaxies is one of the biggest twists in years. But is it really? I mean, it's right there. And if you can fold time and space the equivalent of warp travel right that's what they just did um it, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a <laughs> leap <laughs> sorry i would agree um it's not that much of a <laughs> can't think of what the term is <laughs> yeah like a, it's not that big of a space jump so i don't know yes, thank it, you it, that's what i was about to say <laughs> it, it doesn't really mean much to me Perhaps Ahsoka will not be able to use the force outside of the Star Wars galaxy or the mysterious pathway to Paradia. Um, may have been even stronger connection to the force. The ancient people Lady Morgan spoke of, which is, this is why Lady Morgan really gets dangerously close to um, uh, Morgana and and the whole wizardry thing of Arthurian legend. And I think that's really what Lady Morgan is. Um, because I think it's Lady Morgana um, in Arthurian legend. Um, Ahsoka could even handle references to other Star Wars stories that have explored intergalactic travel, such as the um, Yuzhen Vong from Star Wars, the New Jedi Order, Whatever Ahsoka does next, it's clear that Star Wars has turned Lucas's vision on its head by moving beyond the galaxy far, far away into a galaxy far, far, far away. <laughs> exactly. So I added that last bit. That's not in the article. So the, the thing about this is while I'm giving this a whole lot of uh, talking to, um, I suspend all of this critical thinking about the minutia of the universe because it's just good, plain fun, regardless of 
when you get back into it, it's kind of like um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, right? Or uh, Indiana Jones and um, the uh, Lost Ark, right? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Um, so the the whole movie, you're sitting there watching this, and it's awesome, right? From one thing to another. It's this great adventure, but at the very end, the Nazis go through with opening up the Ark of the Covenant and everybody dying. It seals itself back up and everybody goes on their merry way. Nothing that Indiana Jones did facilitated, stopped, or did anything to prevent that. It didn't mitigate it. All it did was extended into a two-hour movie. It would have been better for him to just go, go ahead, go open it. I know the truth. You shouldn't be messing with it, but I'm not going to tell you that y'all can just go and get turned to dust and explode and stuff like that. And then I'll go back to your island and pick up the box. Ta-da! And that's kind of how this is. When you start rooting around in it, trying to uh, figure out the flaws in it without it being fun, like the continuity report is all about digging through this and and making fun of it but when you have to when you write a long article and speak of it like it you know reverential like it needs to be more serious than it is or uh more accurate and and adhere to this that and the other uh a little too much it seems like it's a little too much but i enjoy this no matter what i love watching the show i love i've read a couple of the some of the books I, I don't get too deep into it um but i don't have enough time to sit there and read books for pleasure i don't think a site like screen rant would exist except for articles like this though. yeah no no i know but that's why i actually i read stuff like this because i don't have the time to you know root through it that's why hometown exists to aggregate all of this so i dig this stuff um and I definitely wouldn't sit there and go, oh, I'm, I've completely, I've burned out Star Wars because it's now a galaxy far, far, far away. <laughs> eh. Just enjoy it, folks. And then come and talk to us about it when uh, each episode. I would love to do a show about shows regularly, but we have to, we have to find some time um, or another um host to do it all right let's keep going we've barely touched our articles um and uh while we let me uh, back up one second here and throw that into the chat and uh, our next article is over in hometown daily california lawsuit says oil giants deceive public on climate seeks funds for storm damage this is my shocked face is the title of this segment wait businesses lied to us this is my shocked face especially oil companies that never happens mega corporations and those with a vested interest in pulling the wool over people's eyes so that they can make a profit even in your demise never lie to you about the safety and security of their product never never you know those pans that you used to bake on about 10 years ago yeah they were poisoning you the ones that are you're still using today yeah those are still poisoning you suit claims they deceive the public about the risks of fossil fuels People are still smoking and science can demonstrate how you're going to cough up a black lung period uh, from time to time. And ultimately will probably be your demise, but we still do it. 
we still sell them. Kind of wild, huh? Well, the yeah, articles... But it even has warnings like death, but people still do it. Yeah. But you... I know that's not always what happens historically. Yeah. Yeah. So the state of California filed a lawsuit against some of the world's largest oil and gas companies, claiming that they deceived the public about the risks of oil, or sorry, fossil fuels, blamed for climate change-related storms and wildfires that caused billions of dull. <laughs> I like that the deck, the, the deck statement stops. Dull. Um, Michael R. Blood, that's a hell of a name, um, Associated Press, wrote it for, or it was, it was posted over at abcnews.go.com. Um, more than 50 years, big oil has been lying to us, covering up the fact that they've known, uh, how dangerous the fossil fuels they produce are for our planet. Newsom said, um, California taxpayers shouldn't have to foot the bill for billions of dollars in damages. Wildfires wiping out entire communities, toxic smoke clogging our air, deadly heat waves, record-breaking droughts, parching our wells. You know what's parching all of the wells in Northern California? <laughs> no. Trees. Planting trees like almond trees. Planting crops right. that are almond water farms, hungry. Yes, definitely. Agricultural, yes. All kinds of agriculture sitting there in a de what amounts to a desert and you're pumping water from wells that are uh, aquifers that are protected so that people in places where you should be growing stuff and it's has an affinity for that region should be using that water and it's in stasis with that environment but when you pump water out to the freaking desert that's not where it's supposed to be it's going to boil away a whole lot faster i don't know but again like i said maybe it was last episode uh maybe the episode before we use science to short circuit nature um you know we we bisect the angle and and we do it in a way that isn't necessarily beneficial to the whole as long as a small portion makes a shit ton of money it's all good well this ongoing coordinated campaign of uh, to wage meritless politicized lawsuits against a foundational american industry and its workers is nothing more than a distraction from important national conversations and enormous waste of taxpayer uh resources says the Institute Senior Vice President Ryan Myers said in a statement, and this is the, the American Petroleum Institute, an industry group also named in the lawsuit, said that climate policy should be debated in Congress, not the courtroom. Well, climate policy actually should probably be born from academia who's doing the science to that shows that Fossil fuels are leading directly to climate change. <laughs> um, but hell yeah, no. but that doesn't absolve the companies of their practices. Correct. Yeah, I and agree. Especially if they're doing one thing and then stating that it's safe or they're stating that they're doing something else. Right. Yeah. It's bad for the environment. But if we give them the right stats, then it's okay. And you know within the realm of livability but what's really happening is evidence is showing that it's doing a horrendous 
amount of damage to the environment um, to the point where <laughs> category five hurricanes are spawning from two to five in 24 hours, which is extreme was extremely rare. And then migrating all the way up to Maine for crying out loud. And I, and we don't even monitor like monsoon season areas, you know, like what's going on on the other side um, of the planet. So California suits, uh, California's suit adds to the growing momentum to hold big oil accountable for its decades of deception and secure access to justice for people and communities suffering from fossil fuel, extreme weather and slow um, onset disasters such as sea level rise as Kathy Mulvey of the Union of Concerned Scientists said that in an email 135 page complaint that demonstrates that they that the fossil fuel industry is known since the 60s this sounds very familiar right it sounds like DDTs it sounds like cigarettes it sounds like right sounds like fill in the blank right countless like other we've seen this cycle multiple times massive profits and the sociopathic result of well people are dying but it's not people that i care about so it's fine but the moment that you know a, a ceo's uh daughter or mother gets breast cancer then it's suddenly a massive push to get messaging out to their constituents employees and whatnot to have them donate to cancer research instead of looking at the bigger picture as a human and saying this is a big problem and i see that my corporation fossil fuels are causing damage to the entire freaking world not just to me right Let's do something about it. Let's try and find some other solution for it. But then it all gets relegated to, well, if I don't do it and make millions, then somebody else will do it and take millions that I could have been getting. So screw you again. Don't come to me talking about this. You pores, you unconnected poor go away and go buy $5 gas. Oh, and while you're complaining about $5 gas, you be sure to complain that it's the president's fault and not the fact that the biggest chunk of money for each gallon is state-based and the corporate portion of it. Federal government doesn't take jack from it, 19 cents per gallon, typically. If that, actually, I think if I recall correctly, 19 cents was the high side for federal government. It's the state and it's corporate profit. So anyway, I think that everybody should be a little bit more aware of what's going on, um, which is why I chose this. But lawsuits from California, I mean, that's almost a dime a dozen, by the way. You can't I buy feel something. I like it's almost like a daily occurrence. Oh, sure. Yeah. And you can't buy something uh, nowadays without there being a California warning that it um, is bad for the environment. So when you cry wolf constantly, people just start ignoring you. And I think that's what corporations are doing about California lawsuits. Okay, let's keep going. Well, we'll be doing that till they're successful. And then as in lawsuits. Yeah, that's right. How to start a movement. 
So this next article is over in hometown daily worker strikes in the U S are at the highest point since 20. So, okay. It's 2023. It's the highest point since 2000. It's been slowly increasing. Uh, 4.1 million days lost in August due to labor activism. It's going to continue because there's more labors being formed almost on the daily. It seems, um, U.S. workers are turning to strike action to settle labor disputes uh, at the highest rate in almost 25 years. This August, 4.1 million workdays were lost due to strikes. I don't think that is going to change anytime soon because there's a lot of money in the system and the the people who have the money um, are basically saying, well, we've got the money and it and it's out there there's more of it out there and if i raise the rates i'll keep on getting more and more money and if you don't like it and if you don't like it then tough Um, we can withstand you so go ahead and strike you're going to be poorer and my money is invested my corporation's money is invested so i'll be making 12 to 20 percent annual return and you'll still be living paycheck to paycheck. So you will witness more and more unions being formed and more, more, um, more unions in distinct labor pools. Like, right. Like we're seeing it in different industries. I think they're feeding off of each other. I think it's going to increase, uh, not just continue. Oh yeah. Um, and plus some of these are recent strikes. So think about how many days could be lost across say thousands of workers per strike it's going to go up yeah i think it's going to go up too um and get bigger and unions are going to start working together um because uh, let's just say that each dollar is a voice right so that means that each union worker's voice is kind of washed out by the billions that corporations make So I think the unions are going to have to start working together Um, and they kind of do. I don't know if they're very cognizant of each other in the sense that they're talking to directly to each other. Like, Hey, let's all say the same message. But um, I think this is going to continue to be amplified. People, uh, public approval of labor unions is also up reaching its highest point since 1965 in recent years. Um, everything old you know, is new something again you said was interesting too because some of the well-known unions are actually those of two separate organizations that merged right like sag aftra yeah afl cio um so i mean are we gonna start to see some of that and if so they're gonna become even more powerful have more members potentially have more leverage Yep. And that's the only way that it's really going to happen because instilling some type of ethic or moral that, Hey, look, I'm making billions of dollars each year. I think that maybe we should give some money to the people that are making it actually happen when there's more money in the, in the system, aggregating it and giving it to the investors even though they're already getting a tremendous amount of profitability off of the stock it it shouldn't be a huge jump in the stock 
because that's where the, the money basically gets concentrated. It's the day-to-day -day workers that should be getting higher salaries because they're the ones that are actually making the goddamn company work. I just don't get it. It's not the CEO making all the widgets. No, no. I, I know that they sit there and stand next to each individual employee and finish the widget creation and anoint <laughs> it with their glory. But no, um, that's not how it works. So you hire people that are competent. Don't pretend to be the smartest person in the room. I'm pretty sure if anybody was had ambition to be a CEO, they, you know, a lot of people just don't want that. But I'm pretty sure that any worker that's in your enterprise could probably run the enterprise if they would have followed the same thing. This is the, this is the whole thing. What what was the movie where they switched places? Trading places. Duh. It's basically the premise of trading places, right? Like I could take somebody from any other, like some manufacturing plant. And if I could motivate them to stay engaged as being senior leadership, I could make them CEO. Right. Right. The knockoff movie was called switching places. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> That's the Netflix one. Uh, the... Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> or no, uh, Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon. Yeah. The Disney one was trading places, but the Nickelodeon one was <laughs> switching spots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was about a Dalmatian and a cheetah. <laughs> there where they you go. Flipped the type of spots. And the Dalmatian suddenly was afraid of water and wouldn't run across puddles and stuff like that. Man, if y'all knew, this is all part of the, <laughs> the history of the AI and uh, myself. <laughs> uh, we were once, uh, uh, I, I, I took the uh, Ascension AI and uh, put them, uh, attached a little uh, monitor and a camera and brought them to a zoo. <laughs> and there was like 30 feet of water between humans and these cheetahs and there was a park rep there and we were like don't they just like sprint across that water because it wasn't very deep you could actually see the bottom of it and they're like no they they're afraid of water they don't like water <laughs> you're putting a lot of faith man and hunger oh we keep them well fed <laughs> you better double it <laughs> oh man okay well anyway um, back to the UAW and uh, all strikers in general. I think it's going to increase just like you said. So let's keep on hustling through this. <laughs> all right. So the next article is over in hometown daily, the 10 least expensive States to own a home. I'm just going to jump straight into this business insider article. Jordan Pandy, um, is the author. Um, let's see. The average American homeowner spends $624,000 on the expenses of owning a home over the time of owning a home, according to a fintech company, self found. Huh? Is that an addition to the home? It's uh, like the purchase or is that including the purchase price? I'm hoping it's including it. Well, let's find out taxes, household repairs, home improvements contribute to the high cost of being a homeowner. There are 10 States, including Ohio and Iowa. I'm not sure why they would separate those two where homeownership is less than the national average. 
Uh, I mean, okay. this article will link here is about to if you're in Ohio or Iowa, apparently. Yeah. Okay. So this, the, the study cites Redfin's findings that the average American homeowner spends 13.2 years in one house. And in that time, spends $624,000. I'm rounding up, by the way. Uh, on the expenses of owning a house, according to Zillow, the average cost of a home in the U.S. is $350,000 as of August. Again, I round up to the nearest whole number or nearest whole thousand. <clears throat> um, the expenses of owning a home cited by Self, not me, it's a company called Self, and not you, Self, it's a company called Self. Include down payment, closing fees, mortgage repayment, moving costs, taxes, ongoing maintenance, etc. Mortgage uh, payments, which Insider previously reported as 2823 a month on a 30-year fixed mortgage. That might actually be low. <laughs> I'm not sure what the mortgage rates are nowadays. Um, last time I checked, they were hedging at 8%, um, percent, which... Isn't 1970s high, but it's pretty damn high. So let's see here. Yeah, I don't know. It, it doesn't really go into that. The average Hawaii owner uh, will pay 1.5 million. I rounded up a lot there, $20,000. Um, By the way, that previous stat was recent. It was from July. Okay. About the monthly mortgage payments. So. Gotcha. So. Don't try apparently buying in Hawaii because you're going to need 1.5 million in expenses like closing costs, mortgage payments, maintenance fees, and utilities over 13.2 years. But that's everything. So I think this one up here is everything. The six hundred and twenty-three thousand dollars. That's everything over the lifetime of you owning the house. Yeah, I can see that. So I mean, even just um, taxes, um, right, on the uh, mortgage payments. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be or driving interest. it up. Sorry, I don't know yeah. why I said taxes. It's all, yeah, all these, all kinds of stuff. There, because there are taxes, property taxes, and whatnot. Um, ongoing maintenance renovations utilities all of that adds to it so they are actually saying if you take the average home and then live in it for 13.2 years you're going to spend six hundred and twenty four thousand dollars so if you start out at six hundred and twenty four thousand dollars you're going to be adding probably more to, than that because i suspect it's not it scales um, right right exactly like it might be another it's another 600,000 because another 600,000 probably right because it doubles right from the house like price roughly yeah roughly yeah, it's like 80% um so they say alabama has a lower cost of owning a home over 13.2 years um only 430 over instead of 630 um indiana is a 421 Kansas is 418. That's in thousands, by the way. Louisiana, 410,000. Kentucky, 402,000. Iowa, 400,000. Well, 401,000. 
Ohio is under 400,000, 495, or sorry, 395,000. See, they say these are all average. So I suppose that's an interesting metric, but it's always going to be based on the context of your particular purchase, your credit history how old your home is what your mortgage rate is all kinds of how stuff. ridiculously large your house is or how tiny your house is yep i'm gonna be moving into a tiny home um oklahoma at a uh, 390,000, mississippi at 381,000, and west virginia at 322 all right i'll round down on this one 321,000. but it's west virginia I'll just leave all that there. All right, folks. Um, let's see. Do I so have all if you want a less expensive homeownership process, go generally toward the center of the country. I suppose. West Virginia is on the East Coast, though. Like, pretty darn close to the East Coast. It's a state away. Right, but it's not on the coast. There weren't any states in there that were on a coast. Oh, no, of course not. You not get... on an East or West Coast. You get too comfortable and the, the price goes up. Um, okay, so let's go on to the next one. Uh, the next article is over in Hatch Ideas. Hollywood is paying a steep price for never really figuring out the streaming model. So the only reason why I chose this is because it has to do with the streaming model and the fact that contracts were formed. Here's my problem with the contracts, and that's why I call this section fundamental flaws in contracts. So the fundamental flaw in contracts, particularly around technology, is that if you are bound by a contract that has too long a legs, it, it can't pivot when something unknown or uncapitalized takes place and that's what happened something catastrophic took place and 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 a knock-on effect of this flaw is that if it were an act of god the winning party would have been the the studio not the employee the studio would have said well force majeure i'm gonna bounce you out of this contract we can renegotiate it but because this isn't being coined as an act of God, but a market force, the, the certain people are able to exploit it and say, well, you're in a contract, but something nearly miraculous happened. People embraced the streaming environment in this fundamental shift in market forces really should have forced every contract back into renegotiation because nobody knew what was going to happen with this. And if it would have gone the other way, you can bet your ass that these contracts would have had a writer in it that said, well, this is taking place, we're losing money, we need to renegotiate. But because the bigger of the organizational bodies is making money hand over fist, they're saying, sorry, you have to stick to your contract. Well, now contracts are ending and I, <laughs> I, I keep like feeling like these, the studios and, and owners are sitting there saying, well, we, we really don't know what's going to happen with 
with streaming. So we can't pay you a lot. Well, everything is in the air. The only thing that's really working is streaming. That's what everybody is doing. They're really burnt out with the idea of going to a theater and having to deal with human beings. I mean, you never know when somebody's going to pull a bobert. Anyway. Too soon. Yeah, it's always too soon to mention that kind of stuff. Streaming broke the traditional media model. Legacy media companies are still figuring out the future. No bullshit. They know exactly what the future is. They, the writing is on the wall. What they are trying to figure out is how to exploit the working, working class. And at the same time where they're trying to figure out the streaming model, suddenly uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and 3D modeling have created a, a, a perfect storm that allows these studios to pull a human actor out of the circuit. Well... I and many other people out there, they, we appreciate the human actor. We don't want to look at just droids. We, we want human actors. Um, but then again, you know, everything in moderation, I suppose. I, I have no problem watching animation, but it's a voice actor. It's not something artificial intelligent. Um, right. I mean, you don't. Well, and it's not the same experience watching animated Right. So these legacy companies holding on to that model for as long as possible. The articles over at CNBC, Lillian Rizzo and Sarah Witten are the authors of this article. The recent dispute between cable company Charter Communications and Disney highlights how companies are clinging to that old model. This issue is at the forefront of the writers and actors strike, which have halted Hollywood productions, putting media companies at further disadvantage. Um, I think that they know, they know that they need to compensate people for streaming. The problem that I see with streaming though, is that everybody is flying solo on this, spinning up their own very expensive streaming platforms and and that is the real problem. They're trying to sit there. They're making tons of money and then investing a whole bunch in hardware and software infrastructure support and whatnot, spinning up their own channels. Why? Because they want to produce everything, stream everything, capitalize on everything internally instead of doing the internet version of cable company and distributing from people who are competing for your dollars. So there should be a company out there and or companies that are providing infrastructure and whatnot for all of these Disney, Warner Brothers, Paramount, NBC, ABC, Netflix, etc. They're all sitting there saying, yeah, we can do it for X amount. And all of these companies are saying, okay, we'll pay you. You provide all of the distribution <laughs> um, and we concentrate on what we do best because they're not all hardware and software experts. They're good at production of, of movies, but that's not how it works. They all have their own infrastructure. Apparently it's my understanding. Um, so it says broken model, two strategies, media companies long relied on windowing content for various platforms and creating more cable channels to reap higher fees from the bundle, prove lucrative and still reap profits. 
Quote, this gun has been cocking itself for decades, says Solomon, noting that the pay TV bundle was a good value proposition until it became too expensive for consumers. That gave Netflix an up uh, an opening to upend how the entertainment industry makes and spends money. Yeah, and that that whole TV bundle stuff was greed. You know? They well, people were monopolies, right? Yep. Yeah. People were interested in sports and apparently lose their mind when they don't have the ability to access the sports. So they were willing to pay $125 more than a, your average cable uh, package so that they could see sports and ESPN became highly profitable. Um, and then it made enough to spin off into its own streaming platform twice over. I mean, it's just bananas. Well, and um, then others, of course, kind of tried to copy their model. Yeah, and they, they weren't did really so. situated yeah. to do that. Yeah. Well, they tried to at least. Yeah. Anyway, so there were also massive layoff. Uh, sorry, massive one-off licensing deals for uh, shows like The Office, Friends, Seinfeld, which viewers were actively watching on repeat. Um, and all of this is this arbitrage pricing, where they find some niche where they can slice off a tranche of. Um, wealth reaping content um, and they have to pay more for it even though it's already been a sunk cost and profitable life over you know it they're still treating it as this highly lucrative element because people are watching re-watching um i i don't know it seems like something that ages should be less expensive unless it has it suffers from um consumption so like if there's only 15 bottles of wine and 10 of them get consumed that last five are going to be wildly expensive but you can stream seinfeld on repeat forever infinite number of copies i'm paying the price for it to be downloaded I'm the one that's paying the price to watch it from a streaming service. I'm the one that's paying the price to consume it. This has already paid for itself thousands of times over. Why is it still expensive? But it is. Again, I'm not a Fortune 100 company CEO. Um, I, I, well, you know what? when you're at that level you probably have great work-life balance because you're telling everybody else to go do shit so right and you have tons <clears throat> of people to go do stuff and you don't necessarily have to be spending all your hours on that i just have to be sociopathic got it okay and treat and treat you know donation as something to just write my taxes down with instead of uh, I said too much. Okay, even uh, the AI is giving me warnings. I'm going to move on to the next article. So the next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. Small shops call for aid to tackle brazen shoplifters. The only thing that comes to mind with this is we used to tackle these mofos when they were trying to uh, shoplift. And people would get hurt. And there might be a lawsuit. Or somebody might have to have medical bills paid. But you didn't have brazen shoplifting right so this is i guess my time to say get off my lawn or whatever you want to say um but 
His situation is seen in small, or I think there's a typo. This situation is seen in small shops across the country, says the Federation of Independent Retailers, which basically <clears throat> people going into, and this is a BBC News or BBC.com uh, article by Divya Talwar and Eleanor Lay. Um, a convenience store owner says he see, he witnesses up to nine shoplifting incidents a day with criminals who are more brazen and aggressive. Wow. That's insane. And I think even though this is in the UK, like we see, we've seen definitely an uptick about brazen shoplifting in the, and more organized shoplifting in the US as well. So I don't oh, yeah. think it's a UK unique issue. No, not at all. Uh, the group which represents 10,000 shopkeepers is calling for government help to tackle the problem. Well, you're not going to be able to. E either you institute castle doctrine where you can protect your enterprise or you focus on the other side, which is mental health and opportunity. And that's much more expensive and nebulous and requires people to actually take action for themselves that isn't criminal they have to actually go to school get tooled up capable of working for somebody and then willing to work for somebody instead of just stealing shit and running away so he says um Silveritnum from south london says that his staff face both verbal and physical abuse it's because they're the rise of sociopathy it, it doesn't my claim that when you get ultra rich, you become more and more sociopathic, that holds true. But it also holds true that sociopathy in general is going up. Um, and that is documented as well. Hold on one second. Um, let me back up for one second. Where's that 10 most? That's the 10 most, right? So I got to throw that article right there into the chat. We'll get back to the other one here. Um, and then this is the small shops one. Okay. So, um, these small shops are seeing shoplifting because they don't have the ability to defend themselves from these thieves. Um, and the thieves, and I'm not condoning it. I'm just telling you why it happens. It's because they're sociopathic. They don't have good coping skills. They don't have a job. Um, they're not educated. They're not kept up in terms of applicable skills to go get a job and or they don't want to go and work because they know that they can go into any old shop and steal shit. <laughs> so it says we've seen a big increase in organized gangs dealing to uh, or stealing uh, to order when whether it's honey, coffee or meats in the past week, one of uh, Selveritnam's employees was taken to hospital after being hit in the head with an iron nail. What the hell? Another staff member was attacked with a stick of sugar cane, which by the way, hurts. Um, anyway, so they're like putting up cameras, they're putting up barriers. You still have to interact and stalk. So there's going to be somebody that's out, out in the wild. Um, and for all of you who have no, don't have the ability to see what I see, the artificial intelligence is absolutely shocked right now that this is a reality. 
um, for humans. So, yeah. The um, theft doesn't surprise me as much as the violence or shoplifting. That that to me is even more concerning than the uptick in, in the thefts. The thefts are bad, of course, for economic and safety fears and everything, but hitting somebody over the head to steal a pack of fill-in-the-blank is just outrageous. It's because they're sociopathic. They don't see humans as as themselves they they see them as objects that they can destroy they have no emotional tie to anything except getting what they want um it's borderline psychotic but they understand emotions they just don't care they're they're willing to inflict pain on others um but their tune changes when it happens to them every time um so and even then, you know, that's that's only true to a point. You might actually end up with a real psycho. But anyway, figures this year from Trade Body, the British Retail Consortium show retail thefts in England and Wales rose by 26% to in uh, 2022. Rose by 26% in one year. That seems extraordinary like an extreme percentage yep so the article goes into more detail but i'll let you traverse that um wait can you scroll up to see the top one look at the um the city of london oh this year police statistic yeah, yeah. 85.7 increase in shoplifting it's because there's a policy that you can just go and do it and shopkeepers right can't do anything about it police won't Um, respond in general because they have other things they need to respond to higher profile whatever yep there's fewer police there isn't a big enough budget there there's only so much time in the world for somebody to show up um but then people complain when it becomes a police state where there's a lot of oversight um and people don't want to pay taxes etc etc i mean right you can't have it both ways I mean, right. ideally, you wouldn't need to have either extreme, but... Right. Yep. Hot mess, folks. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel as well. First green ships arrive in Ukraine using new route. Officials say the vessels will deliver 200,000 tons of wheat to world markets. Yay. This um, is really big if you haven't been following the grain news. Yeah, so basically Russia invaded Ukraine, um, but Ukraine has been kicking Russia's butt. And uh, finally, uh, some events took place where grain ships that were coming to Ukraine got taken out. Um, and, there was a uh, blockade as well. Yeah, and uh, a, a couple of tactical strikes on Russian ships um, has led to a new route that has enabled ships to come to ukraine and get uh, grain for the first time since the war i think um let's see two cargo ships have arrived in ukrainian port after traveling through the black sea using a new route they reached chonomorsk on saturday and were due to load twenty thousand tons of wheat bound for world markets <clears throat> so wheat by the way is going up has gone up in price rice has gone up in price um oil sunflower oil and sunflower has gone up in price 
Um, officials said it was the first time civilian ships had reached a Ukrainian port since the collapse of a deal with Russia, ensuring the safety of vessels. Previously, the corridor had only been used by ships departing from Ukraine. Um, let's see. Kiev unilaterally declared the Maritime Corridor, which hugs the western uh, coast of the Black Sea, after Russia abandoned the UN-backed deal that facilitated grain exports from Ukrainian ports. Um, yeah, I, you know, uh, what I haven't heard from is that tiny little nation to the east of Ukraine, where they were saying that they were slow, that they believed they were being overthrown by a Russian-backed. Um, what do you call them? Um, agent provocateur. To, right. But I was trying to think of which country it was. Yeah. Uh, and, was it uh, Moldova? Moldova. Yeah. I haven't heard much. Um, so at least now there are some ships that are making it in. It's quite a heavy cost. I'd say, um, if anything happens, Ukraine is one of the biggest suppliers of crops such as sunflower oil, barley, maize, and wheat. Um, when Russia invaded in February 2022, its navy blockaded the country's Black Sea ports, trapping 20 million tons of grain which were meant for export. So hopefully they're getting everything spun up again and maybe even take back Crimea from the illegal annexation. Uh, let's keep on going though. We've got two more articles for today. Um, did I, I need to throw this into the chat and all of this is going to stay in the recording folks. Okay. Let's keep going. So the next article is over in hometown daily, Alabama high school band director tased for not stopping music. A man was tased after he allegedly ignored multiple requests to stop his band performing after a football game. <laughs> All right. I mean, is there more to the story here when you see this headline? Like, um... Yeah, I don't know. Um, the article's over at Newsweek.com. Anders Anglesey, Anglesey, sorry, Anglesey is the author. An Alabama high school band director was tased and arrested after he failed to stop his group playing after a high school football game, according to police. The Birmingham Police Department said the incident happened during a football game between Jackson Olin High School and Minor High School at the former's field on Thursday night. So, let's see. Officers then spoke to both directors to end the performance so students and other attendees would leave. The BPD said Jackson Olin band director stopped while the one from minor high school allegedly did not. And so they tased I mean, you know, him. I gotta get to the end of the song or whatever. <laughs> what, so because people wouldn't leave because they were dancing? Tell them I to leave. Know. This is unbelievable. I mean, this is akin to the Titanic and they're just playing until everybody leaves. It's just a band playing music. Right, it's not the band that's causing the lifeboat issue or But whatever. maybe, maybe it is um, like the movie uh, where the witches... Um, Hocus Pocus? Hocus Pocus, yeah, where they cast a spell on the party goers and they all stay and dance and they would have danced until they died. If not, no, for the I think it's most kids. definitely not like that. 
The statement continued during the physical altercation. BPD officers attempted to get the band director to place his hands behind his back, but he refused saying you can have my tuba from my cold dead fingers. That's not what he says. He doesn't say anything. He says the arresting officer alleges the band director pushed him during the arrest. <gasps> He's been pushed. The arresting officer then subdued the band director with a taser, which ended the physical confrontation. Yeah, it usually does. Ah, <laughs> uh, this music is electric though. Yeah, electrified, maybe. Really gets you. Gets the blood flowing. <laughs> Let's keep going. Last article. We're going to make this one really quick because there isn't really much to say. You know how everybody's supposed to not be shipping stuff to Russia? Well, apparently Halliburton equipment worth $7.1 million exported to Russia in the past year. Customs records show oil and gas yeah, multinationals. I thought there were like sanctions and <coughs> like restrictions on any u.s companies kind of doing business with russia yeah there is um U u.s oil and gas multinationals are facing fresh questions over their trade with russia after customs records reveal that more than 7.1 million dollars worth of equipment manufactured by halliburton has been exported to the country since it announced the end of its russian operations Last September, Halliburton said um, one of the, uh, sorry, Halliburton, one of the world's largest providers of products and services for oil and gas exploration, sold its Russian office to local management amid pressure on all U.S. companies to cease their trade after the invasion of Ukraine. So the article is over at The Guardian. Daniel Bofi, um, chief reporter at The Guardian, Put the article together. Uh, the deck statement says U.S. oil multinationals face questions over trade with Russia amid pressure to cease operations. Russian customs records seen by The Guardian show that despite this move to sell uh, to sell up on uh, 8 September, Halliburton subsidiaries exported equipment of a value of 5.7 million to its former operation in Russia in the six weeks that followed the sale. The equipment was largely shipped from the U.S. and Singapore, although the records show it originated in a range of countries, including the U.K., Belgium, France. The bulk of exports from the subsidiaries ended on October 6th, but the last shipment to Russia from a Halliburton company recorded as Halliburton MFG in the records was of a ceiling element priced at just shy of $3,000 on 24 October 2022 from Malaysia to a firm called Siklin Energy, a consortium that is developing the Siklin uh, 2 oil and gas project in eastern Russia. Some of the biggest companies take part in some of the most horrendous military actions. I mean, just look around, look at, look at the companies that are doing that are manufacturing cars and planes and whatnot and uh you'll find that they were part and parcel to facilitating the nazi engine um and uh the conversations that i've had with people about this is well you know <laughs> it's a business they do what they need to do well i don't that's... think you can go well you know about facilitating Atrocities along those lines. Yes, thank you. 
Uh, well, no. Business is amoral, not immoral. Just the people that drive it are immoral. That's okay. Somebody was going to make money, the CEOs at the time, and their families, and their families' families, because they're all billionaires at this point, um, were the rightful heirs of all of that money, right? Building the engines. It's okay. It's fine. Um, right? I mean... No, it's not okay. Some human was going to do it. You might as well just just do it. Okay. Anyway, it says it is understood that the sale of Halliburton operations in Russia was not fixed until late in the day, which may account for those shipments from its subsidiaries that left for the country shortly before and soon after 8 September. A spokesperson for Halliburton said Halliburton was a major or was the first major oil field services company to exit Russia. Apparently not. Um, in full compliance with sanctions, it has been more than a year since we have conducted operations there. All right. But it's been however long since we've shipped things over there. Yeah, right. We're not doing any operations there, but we're selling shit there. <laughs> I guess. It's kind of how this reads, right? Was that September of this year or September 2022? 2022 is what it says. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it says here, despite this move to sell up on 8 September, that says this year. So within the last year, um, it has exported or manufactured uh, 7.1 million US dollars or 5.7 million pounds worth of equipment manufactured by Halliburton have been imported into the country since it announced the end of its operations, its Russian operations. So that was from 2022. Okay. And so they've already, of course, taken out things that happened, say, prior to that right. cut off. So Yeah. So this is all fresh. But they talk about down here later on that there were certain things that stopped back in 2022, a year ago. But this reference up here, the 7.1 million, that's all the way up to September 8th this year. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I know this is not the same thing, but um, like we saw a lot of American companies bail out of Russia and unwind their operations. And I just saw within about the last month a major company had just finally unwound its operations. Sure. Now, I, mean, I don't know that it was trying to keep them there. It was just taking a long time to, to do that. But again, I'm not saying that's the same situation with this article. You mean it doesn't take you two hours to turn off the light switch or two years to turn off the light switch? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't run a multi billion dollar or multi-million dollar company i mean i would think it might be like let's shut the building <laughs> that's right lock the doors <laughs> you know flip the light switch or actually go down to the basement and... paperwork or whatever but <laughs> there's a big breaker out on the street you just pull the big breaker that's how you turn off the light switch to a multi-billion dollar organization oh well silly me i don't know i just talk snarkily about this stuff i know nothing about it so uh, we always bring you back to the very front of hometown, the main street, the welcome sign. And then we poked that wasp nest that is news gatherer. 
and uh, we slowly kind of parse some news articles. Maybe we can find something, but not today. We're done today. We have to make it a short day, even though uh, the show actually went an hour and a half. Um, we have to um, get out of here. We've got a, a huge meeting here in hometown. And um, yeah, so tomorrow, uh, odds on, we will be back to our regular schedule, 9 p.m. Um, Eastern. Although we are seriously evaluating moving it an hour forward to 8 Eastern. Um, it just affords us the ability to do a little bit more um, post-show work. Um, that said, you should follow us here on Twitch, follow us over on YouTube, follow us on the podcast, go over to Discord. There is a Patreon, uh, all of this stuff. Let us know that you are there uh, by signing up for these various locations. And um, like what I just did, poke the wasp nest and um, see what happens. I don't know. Anyway, thank you very much for coming. I am Mirwat. That is hometown.com. Up there is the AI that's going to say bye. Bye-bye, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. Or 8. We'll see. Thank you.